Welcome to Church Online. I am so excited that you have joined us this morning. I'm Pastor Matt. I pray that our worship will be exciting and uplifting. I pray that the ministry of the Word will work in your heart and that the Lord will do something special. Thank you again for joining us and enjoy the service. Take your Bibles to turn to Romans chapter 13. Romans chapter 13. Uh, and man, we're going to dig in today. Y'all ready to dig in a little bit? We, we're going to dig in a little bit. This, I, couldn't, I couldn't not with this passage. Um, and I think this is, a, this is something to maybe encourage you a little bit. Um, the, the level of Bible study, like Cody and I, for instance, a lot of what we have in our relationship is, is just studying the Word of God together. And, and just kind of walking through um, passages of scripture. I'm sorry, I'm moving everything around this morning. <laughs> oh, man. Um, and I don't have a seminary level education. We went to Bible, I went to Bible college and graduated, but that's kind of a different scenario than what is uh, acceptable today in different ministry circles. A lot of what we do is at your fingertips, Bible study-wise. And, and here at our church, like, we, we do our best to say, here's, here's what we're using to study our Bibles. Here's the Faith Life Study Bible. Here are some resources. Why? Because I don't ever want to get up and preach, and you be like, man, I would, never, I would never get that out of the Bible. That's not the goal. The goal is not to have one person in the room that looks smart. The goal is to have everybody in the room getting smarter. Everybody in the room uh, pursuing a relationship with Jesus on their own. And so uh, where I start and how I study the Bible is just as available. And, and I would say my library is, is big. It's large. I do read a lot. But most of those books uh, are things that, that you have access to that are free, that are out there. So I want to encourage you. Like We're walking through the book of Romans. We're studying this. Don't just come in here and, and get the crumbs from the table. You get your own meal tomorrow morning. You understand what I'm saying? Uh, you, you, can, you can go to the Word of God every day and get full. Brittany, good to see you. Amen. We've been praying for you. Um, but I, I tell you what, this is... Um, when I read this, I thought, man, this is another one of those passages that's a bit misused. Uh, and I think that I need to get there, first of all. Um, you'll, you'll understand kind of where I'm going uh, with this, but it's definitely isolated. Uh, and once again, what I talk about is the next passage, the next chapter, the next verse. Um, yeah, let's all get settled in. Do what you got to do. Bye, Munch Munch. Are you leaving? Are you staying? No? Family room. Man, I think he'd be all right, Shanti. Just leave him in here. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> She's like, nah. <laughs> Amen. Um, is that on? Mike, can you make sure that, uh, that TV's working for her? It's good? Okay. Um, but yeah, when we read this, I think you'll see, like, man, this is where a lot of people get their uh, you know, their passages that they kind of twist as far as their perspective towards the government and towards, uh, you know, the powers that be. And, and so uh, that's what I was saying. I, I lost track there. But uh, what I was saying is, is we, we follow next chapter, next verse. So what I'm talking about this morning is really uh, being pushed by the place in the text, right? So you don't ever have to wonder, like, is Matt just up there preaching his opinion or current events? We pick a book, right, and we walk our way through the book. 
And, and so this is just the next passage of Scripture, uh, but I, I absolutely think it's timely, and I think that there's a reason why uh, the Lord does what he does and moves on our hearts. It all fits together. So uh, we're going to end up in Romans chapter 13, Romans chapter 13, which is where we are, uh, and we're going to cover verses 1 through 14 today, uh, 1 through 14, and which is the in, entire chapter, uh, but I feel like we need to kind of read around a little bit and show you a few other places that are parallel passages that kind of shed some light on it. And I'm going to take a sip of this here, this Bethlehem coffee, Ben. Of course it's Bethlehem, made in a French press this morning. <laughs> it's just lasting. Nick, good to see you, Bubba. Amen. Oh, that's good. That's good. Amen. We went to uh, Rehoboth for a couple days. And how many been to Rehoboth Beach in here? That's a lot. And the rest of you, do you just go to Ocean City? Is that what you do? <laughs> Man, Rehoboth, I don't, look, hot take. Rehoboth is way better than Ocean City. <laughs> and I know many of you don't agree with me, but that's okay. Oh, my goodness, it's way better. If anything, it's just cleaner, amen? <laughs> Get some, Governor Hogan. No, <laughs> pops his head out, Ocean City's better. Mm. Uh, anyway, there was a little coffee shop in Rehoboth. This is, I might as well just tell you the whole story. <laughs> I was having some trouble, okay? I'm not exactly sure what was causing it. And here, Sarah is shaking her head like, don't do it. Don't do it. <laughs> if this is your first time here, Lord, I apologize. Bless the pygmies in New Guinea. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> So I was having some issues, but we were only leaving for a couple days. And looking at the weather, Friday was the good day. That was the good beach day. I'm sorry, thir Thursday. Thursday was the good weather day. And Friday was like half a day and it was going to be storming. Uh, and later on, I saw a news thing about Rehoboth Beach. There was like a big old storm. And like we just got out just in time. It was pretty funny. But my stomach was, I think I ate something, had some bad sushi or something. And it was just like, I had to stop about every five minutes on the way to the beach. And Sarah's like, at what point are we going to abandon this for the day? And we're going to go home because you're not feeling well. I'm like, I'm going to be fine. This is fine. And we're here. We're doing it for the kids. Okay. We're doing it for the kids. We're going to the beach. Anyway, so uh, I was like, man, I went into the farm store, and if you ever are in a pickle, the farm store does not always have a reliable restroom, just so you know. Uh, and so, And this may be way too much information for some of you. It's okay. It'll be all right. Amen. I, the Holy Ghost told me to tell the story, and I don't argue with him, okay? <laughs> so anyway, I go in the farm store, and they're like, there's no public restroom. And then it's like the smirk that comes after that statement. Because they know, they know the situation that you're in. Uh, there is no public restroom. I'm like, oh my goodness. So out the door I went, I'm back in the car. And they had this little circle, right, at Rehoboth before you, you can go like different places. And so I'm just taking the circle. And I'm in a continuous infinite loop going, where do I go? Oh, Lord. And I look over and there's a sign that says, rise up. And I was like, yes, that is my sign. Rise up, Lord Jesus, please, even so come quickly. Oh, my goodness. Get up, get up, get up. Get up out of that grave, amen? 
<laughs> so I go over to rise up and my wife, right before I get out of the car, and the whole story is to say this right here, right before I get out and dash in, she says, don't you go in there, use their bathroom and not buy anything. <laughs> I was like, yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. So I went in that coffee shop, and I used their bathroom, and I bought a bag of beans. Amen? And that is what is in this coffee cup this morning. (laughs) Rise up. Rise up. (sighs) Amen. (laughs) So that's why I chuckled when I had a drink of that coffee. All of it just came flooding back, and I just felt like I had to share because I'm an oversharer. That's what I do. Amen. My name is Matt. Thank you for sharing, right? <laughs> As an inside joke. Anyway, for about maybe 30% of our crowd here got that. <laughs> oh, man. Look, nobody ever accused us of not having a good time at our church. That is the truth. Oh, man. <laughs> Romans chapter 13, verse, I just hope I can make it through this message. Miss Patty already said, at one hour, the trap door opens today. So we've got food and all kinds of fellowship. How many saw the water slide out front? Out back, actually. Oh, yeah. You You missed it or you just joking? It is big. It is big. Well, if you came in this door, you know. But, uh, man, that's how many are actually adults that are going to go down it? Anybody? Just me and Terry, Miss Cindy, that's it? You go, all right, that's what I'm talking about. All right, fine. Man, I brought my, I wasn't playing. I got my swim trunks, my camo Crocs. Come on, you won't even be able to see my feet. You won't even be able to see. I told y'all, my feet are horrible. I wear camo Crocs to keep y'all from losing your vision. I'm telling you, it is on. Romans chapter 13. Go to 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 11, and we're going to walk our way around and make our way to the text. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 11 through 13. Now remember, Paul's, Paul's, what he's doing here is he's taking two groups of people, Torah-abiding Jews, non-Torah-abiding Gentiles, and his goal is this big word here, right? Christoformity. He wants both groups to come together being more like Jesus. He's saying to the one group that keeps the Torah, uh, keep keeping the Torah. It's okay, it's good. And he says to the other group, uh, keep... Uh, doing some of what you used to do, but don't fornicate in the church and don't eat uh, bloody strangled things around them, right? He he gives uh, very little framework as far as those two things, but he says to them, my goal is that you two come together. You're not forcing on them circumcision and dietary laws, and you aren't making them upset. Right by coming around them, uh, you know, with your pork rinds, uh, you know, dripping all over their food. Right, like we we need to come together here. And the goal is that you both will be more like Jesus than than when we started. Now, here's the key, right? And this is something that if you isolate a text, if you and I know it's okay, right? But many of us do a keyword search when we're having trouble, and we say. I need a verse for depression, or I need a verse for anxiety, and then that verse pops up, and you read that verse, and you receive the face-level value of the meaning of that without studying the text around it, that's dangerous. The the keyword searches where we just lift out of the text what we need, and so uh, many churches, even during COVID, right, or even now, they want to oppose the government, 
right? Uh, and we'll get into this a little bit more. And so what they do is they keyword search, you know, government and church and separation of church and state or whatever, right? And then the internet pulls up all these passages of scripture and then they take it and they run with it. But here's the advantage. What we've been doing at Bethlehem is systematically walking through this text, right? We're at chapter 13 and we've already read all of it up to this point. And so we know that the context is Paul looking at two different people groups saying, I want you all to come together. And what we already know is that there was a problem. There was an issue with the Jewish people in the community of Rome around AD 49. And so that issue, the Crestus affair or Christ affair, is where many, uh, we believe, were converting to Christianity. And because of this, the emperor of Rome decided to, Claudius, expel the Jews from the province. And so then, over 10 years, over a 10-year period, they begin to trickle back into Rome. And this church, this house church, probably four, think about that, four small house churches. You have Gentiles coming in, and it's very clear that the Jews were the oppressed, weaker brothers in this context, and the stronger brothers were the Gentiles, And we also know that Paul's missionary journeys largely were to raise funds for the struggling, the the financially struggling Jews in Jerusalem. So what he's doing, he's saying, what I want to show the world, what I want to show, and this is the world, think about it, it's the empire. The Roman Empire at the day, this was the the center of it all. And what he's saying is how we get the gospel to spread to the world is by showing the world that these two very different people groups can coexist. That's the point. He spent the last 13 chapters saying uh, from the mouth of Phoebe, a lady reading this letter in the in the house churches, he, he spent his time saying, look, it's important that you don't separate on these smaller issues, but that you come together, right? So, and my voice is, it's like 50% at best. I don't know why, but something about Maverick City song last night did me in. Uh, but, but here's, so bear with me, but here's the thing. We know that the Jews were struggling financially, We know that historically, the Roman Empire was imposing larger taxation on those Jews and oppressing them. We've already discovered that. We've already talked about it in our series. And in that light, we're going to read this next passage. But I also want to share with you that throughout the, you know, really the first 30 years of church history, which is where we're at, the book of Acts is a collection of the first 30 years. Romans fits into that. Romans fits into that first 30 years. That was Paul's ministry. And we know it was to the Gentiles. But while there was Gentile ministry happening in Rome, of those two people groups coming together, there was Peter. There was James in Jerusalem and other places throughout that were preaching. And Peter, we know, primarily was to a who? A Jewish audience. And so what I want you to see is what did Peter say about this government piece? As much as we know Paul and Peter did not always see what? They did not always see eye to eye. But the end result was the same. Last week, I want, I want you to remember, and if you weren't here, I'm just you know, sharing this with you. 
Paul, Peter, James, and John. We shared last week. I oh know this may be a, this was probably three weeks ago. When it came to the spirit giftings in Galatians, all three of them said it is clear that the apostle Paul has been gifted to take the gospel to the Gentiles. He's on record in Galatians. Peter, James, and John. The inner circle that were Jesus' disciples, all three came to the agreement that this guy is special. What he's doing is monumental. And we are sitting here today. Look, historically, there is not a stronger evidence for Christian faith, in my opinion, and aside from Jesus and the resurrection, but than the Apostle Paul. Our church, Bethlehem Church, is here existing in its current state because of the Apostle Paul's work. I'm telling you, Romans is such an important book. So rather than reading this text and taking it out of context, I want to share with you kind of like uh, the steps that got Paul to this, to this passage and why he wrote what he did. First Peter chapter 2, verse 11 through 17, it says this, Dear friends, I urge you as strangers and exiles to abstain from sinful desires that wage war against the soul. Verse number 12, conduct yourselves honorably among the Gentiles. Do we sense a, a theme here? We've, and Peter, of all people, he's saying, I really don't want to deal with this, but you need to conduct yourselves honorably among the Gentiles. I'm a Jew. I'm, I really, I haven't played nice with other people. I mean, think about the steps that he took. Think about the visions he had to see to get him to this place. And the Lord telling him, rise up, kill and eat and this is a long time coming for Peter, and Peter says, look, guys, at some point we have to come to grips with the fact that the gospel is not just for Jewish people. It's for every people group. Sadly, there are some in America today that think it's just for them and people who look like them. Couldn't be anything further from the truth. So conduct yourselves honorably among the Gentiles, verse 12, so that when they slander you as evildoers, you can punch them in the face. Oh, no, that's not what it says. So when they slander you as evildoers, make sure you're going to jujitsu classes. No, I'm just kidding. That was, that's, that's what I'm, anyway. <laughs> they will observe your good works, and they will glorify God on the day he visits. That's the right response. Verse 13. Now, watch this. This is so close to what we're about to read in Romans. Submit to every human authority because of the Lord. Every means every. means all whether to the emperor as the supreme authority or to the governors as those sent out by him to punish those who do what is evil and to praise those who do what is good. For it is God's will that you silence the ignorance of foolish people by doing what? By making sure that you have a large stash of ammunition and MREs. Verse 16, submit as free people not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but as God's what? That's strong language. That's strong language. And, and slavery was something, and in Scripture we have to see that it's, it's a little different. The context of, of these Greek words doulos is someone that understands that they can be a bondservant. Paul called himself a slave of Jesus Christ over and over. This, this cultural phenomenon is someone saying similar to debt. They could sell themselves into, until, into slavery until a certain debt was paid off. It's not always what you think it is uh, being taken by 
against, rather, against your free will. These are people that were submitting to it for good reason, knowing that there was a debt that they could not what? Do it as free people. Honor everyone. Love the brothers and what? Sisters. <laughs> Sounds like similar language. Brothers and sisters. Fear God. Now, here are the last three words that should shake every American nationalist in their boots. Honor the what? These were not good people. <laughs> Nero was a great guy. Didn't you hear? He was phenomenal. He had great lighting in his garden. He was awful. We are spoiled rotten. That's what we are. I'm t look, today's not going to be a, a good one. <laughs> I'm coming for you. We're spoiled rotten. We think that everything has to fit into our lives to make our lives easier. And as long as scripture does that, then we're on board. As soon as it becomes more difficult, it's the devil. It's the, it's, which voice am I going to bring out today? How about a southern one? <laughs> it is. It's the devil. Look, these are people that were facing significant persecution. Life or death situations. Peter was imprisoned. And, and look, here's the thing. Like, I'm not saying, I don't know how I would react. And maybe we'll get there. If you're in Canada, these are things that you're facing. Right? We're not there yet in America. But my point is, is for us to take this ground where we feel like we're better than other people and we, the authorities owe it to us because we're a Christian nation to respect our beliefs, and that's how it's always going to be. It's just not the case. And, and, and what I want you to see is that there are hundreds of thousands of Christians that have gone before us. There are people right now in regimes across the world that are enduring great persecution for their faith. And so why would we contextualize Scripture to fit our Western narrative and ignore the pain that everybody else is going through? That's a mistake. And so when Peter says honor the emperor, it's just that. It's being subject to them, being subject to people, and him saying that really God is over them. God has, and this is the, this, hey, good to see you guys. Come on in. Come on in, have a seat. The water's fine, as they say. Good to see you, Kurt. So don't miss this. What, don't miss what's happening here. It's not we honor them because they're good people and they always make the right decisions. Uh-uh. Oh, you know where we're going. Now go to our text, Romans 13, verses 1 through 7. We're going to work our way through here. Come on, y'all. This is some good Bible study. Y'all like, bring on the food. Pastor's jokes are over, and now we're just talking about the Scripture. Ugh. Man, Romans 13, 1 through 7. This stuff gets me out of bed. Sorry, y'all. Let everyone submit to the governing authorities. This is in our text, in context of what we've been discussing. Let everyone. Now, when Paul in Romans 13 says, let everyone submit, who's he talking about? Right. But specifically in his book, he's talking to this house church that had two groups of people, Torah-abiding Jews and non-Torah-abiding who? And Phoebe's reading the letter, and she says, let everyone in the room submit to the governing authorities. I bet every Jew in that room that's being 
heavily taxed, that's being heavily oppressed. They've been expelled by the emperor because of aligning with this stupid Gentile church. This guy, Jesus, has made their lives horrible. They just want to keep Passover and keep Torah and do what, they're, do what they've been doing for thousands of years. And here we are, the ripple effect. We've been cast out of our territory, and now we've made our way back to Rome, and here we are, and they're heavily taxing us again. I don't want to hear anything about the government. I don't want to hear anything about the emperor. The, the, the stupid governor, he's got the emperor. The emperor has him in his pocket, and all they're doing is taxing us and taxing us. And the Gentiles are going, what are you talking about? <laughs> we just found Jesus, and this is great. When Paul knows what he's saying, submit to every governing authority, and the Jews are like, here we go. Don't avoid the oppression that's coming to you is what Paul is saying. But here's what I think is important. Church, not everybody in the church was feeling the pain. And that was Paul's point. Paul's point is there's an answer to the pain that's being felt, and it's each other. Oh, we're going to get there. Stay with me. Stay with me. Let everyone submit to the governing authorities since there is no authority except from God and the authorities that exist are instituted by God. And I'd have to say this too. And the echo of every Jew that is in there that has gone through exile after exile knowing that the Lord used Babylon to chasten them, right? Think about that. So then the one who, verse number two in our text, so then the one who resists the authority is opposing God's command. Ooh, We don't want to do that. And those who oppose it will bring judgment on who? Themselves. For rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Unless it's bad. (laughs) Do you want to be unafraid of uh, of the one in authority? Do what is good. You will have its approval. For it is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid. Because it does not carry the sword for no reason. In other words, government... They enforce the laws. For it is God's servant, an avenger, that brings wrath on the one who does wrong. Therefore, you must submit, not only because of wrath, but also because of your what? Mm -hmm. And for this reason, you pay. He's literally talking to that group of people that's being pained by these taxes, and he brings it up. He doesn't ignore the elephant in the room. He says, for this reason, you pay taxes, since the authorities are what? God's servants, continually attending to these taxes. Verse number seven, pay your obligations to everyone. Taxes to those whom you owe taxes, tolls to those you owe tolls, respect to those you owe respect, and honor to those you owe honor. Paul is talking about fiscal responsibility within the government. That's what he's talking about. In, in a moment where they are hurting because of it. Let's keep going down this rabbit hole. Acts 18, 1 through 4, Paul addresses governmental issues, likely because of the Crestus affair that we already talked about. Many in Rome were converting to Christianity, and the emperor expelled them, expelled the Jews from Rome. So listen to this, Acts 18, 1 through 4. After this, he left Athens and went to Corinth, where he found a Jew named Aquila. A native, how many have heard of Aquila and Priscilla? Anybody? Come on, if you've read your Bible for a while, you know who these folks are. 
look at the wording here. A native of Pontus who had recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla because Claudius had ordered all the Jews to leave what? Google it. Christus affair. You see the year, the time period that it came up. Guess what it lines up with? The time frame that Paul wrote this book. Vicariously through Luke, historically the first 30 years of the church. Paul says, I came across in Corinth Aquila and Priscilla, two Jews, and since they were of the same occupation, tent makers by trade, he stayed with them and worked. He reasoned in the synagogues every Sabbath and tried to persuade both Jews and Greeks. Paul was well aware. Paul was working within uh, this very inconvenient thing that had happened. The same Paul that has met Aquila and Priscilla, that worked with them, that, that literally they came together in business and in church, right? It is the same one who wrote Romans 13, let every soul be subject. In other words, I'm saying that my two very close Aquila and Priscilla, brothers and sisters in Christ, fellow Jews that are going through a hardship, a hard time, I'm telling those two to practice what I'm preaching. And I'm also, watch this, think, think about the implications. I'm there with them. Yeah, hit that button on the top. Not that one, the other one. There you go. <laughs> I don't know what happened there. He, he's saying, I'm, I'm literally helping them through the problems that this created for them. Paul's answer wasn't, well, just avoid paying taxes. Paul's answer wasn't, uh, just don't tell anybody, just don't report. Paul's answer was, we're going to get through this together, and God's going to use this thing for his good and his glory. Mm -hmm. Let's keep going. That was in Acts 18, 1 through 4. Watch this, Acts 5, 27 through 33. This was Peter's, and I'm reading this next passage of Scripture in context of what they're all talking about. Does everybody see that? From Acts, where people were expelled from Rome, dealing with Aquila and Priscilla, they worked in the church at Corinth, within the house church at Rome, Paul is saying, I know this is an issue for you Jews. I know you have been uprooted. I know you have hard times. I've heard it straight from people who were expelled from Rome. And we're going to work through this thing together. Here's another passage in Acts chapter 5. And, and what did Peter say? What did Peter say in his own two-volume series? Obey the who? The emperor. Thank you for the front row that listens. Okay. <laughs> the second row. Second row that listens. Acts chapter 5, 27 through 33. This was Peter's answer to the governing body of Jews that crucified Jesus. The context of Peter going against them was a command from the Lord to be witnesses to the nations of who Jesus was. This, this scripture is often cited as the reason why you can go against government and, and against authorities. Now, uh, a, little bit of, a little bit of Bible study here around this, remember, who were the governing body? Who was the governing body that was the reason Jesus was crucified? Does anybody remember? The Sanhedrin. That was, a, what kind of governing body was that? Religious who? Jews. Religious Jews. And remember, those religious Jews had to get the Roman government, this time period, the Roman Empire, they had to get the Roman Empire to sign off on the fact that they thought this guy was a blasphemer and that he should be what? Crucified. And what did Pilate say? I find what? 
no fault. So we know that the Jewish Sanhedrin, these guys knew better. They, they were ruling by, and here's what Rome did. Rome said, I'm going to let your Jewish governing body still govern like Herod because he's also a Jew, but he understands his best interest is to keep the peace in our Roman Empire. So these laws, these things that accused Jesus and he stood before the high priest were all their Jewish religious sect. It wasn't Rome and the emperor. It was their religious lower than the empire, lower than the Roman Empire. It was their local body that controlled their religious organization. It wasn't the emperor. And that is who Peter is talking to. But <laughs> do you see how things get sideways and how things get taken out of context? Listen to what I'm about to read. Acts 5, 27 through 33. And when they had brought them, they set, before, they set them before the council. The high priest asked them, saying, Did we straightly command you that you should not teach in that name? What name? The name of Jesus. And behold, ye have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine and intend to bring this man's blood upon you that ye should not teach in this name. And behold, ye have, I'm sorry, my, my line got off. And behold... You filled Jerusalem with your doctrine and intend to bring this man's blood upon us, verse 29. Then Peter and the other apostles answered and said, we ought to obey what? God rather than man. He's talking to the Jewish Sanhedrin, those religious rulers of that church that answer, that have Rome, they are in Rome's pocket. Rome is saying, you continue to govern the Jews so that you keep the peace, but it's not the emperor. Watch it. If I can find it. Verse number 30. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom ye slew and hanged on a tree. Peter goes right at him. He said, you did this, religious high priests. You're the ones who did it. Mm -hmm. Him hath God exalted with his right hand to be the prince and a savior, for to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are his what? witnesses of these things. That is a, uh, a courtroom term. I'm going to call to the stand a what? Uh-huh. In, in Jewish law, there had to be two or three what? Come on now. Two or three what? Witnesses in order for it to be fact. And you'll see every time Jesus did something, it was in the presence of two or three witnesses. And here's what he says. Let's keep going. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom ye slew. God has exalted him to the right hand to give repentance to Israel, forgiveness of sins. We are his what? Witnesses. And so also the Holy Ghost, whom God hath given to them that obeyed him. Why is Peter saying this? Because he just preached what? Pentecost. The reversal of the Babel event has taken place. This is a lot of weighty doctrine here this morning. Y'all buckle up. Take what you want. Leave the rest. Hopefully you leave with something, okay? Here's the point. Peter is saying, I watched the reversal happen. I watched what was exclusively Jew at Passover leave, and everybody was understanding in their own language. I watched the Holy Ghost do a thing, and it was incredible. And here's what it told me. You guys are liars. And Jesus is, he is the truth. 
I'm Peter. I want to be in line with the Sanhedrin. But here's the thing. I saw with my own eyes. I'm now a witness of something that I cannot unsee. And that's that Jesus was who he said he was. That's what's happening in this conversation. I feel like my mic's dying. I think it's just my voice. (laughs) Now, it's better that you obey God rather than man. Is it proper to take that verse and apply it to us disobeying our government today? It's not proper. It's not a good exegete. That's right. In fact, it's Paul confronting other religious what? Religious leaders. And in that case, it's better to obey who? God rather than who? Man. Stay with me. Stay with me. Romans 13, 8 through 4. I'm sorry. One more verse that that this really connects uh, what Peter is saying. The reason why Peter in verse 32 says, and we are witnesses of these things. Here's what Jesus said before he ascended up into heaven. He said this, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my what? Witnesses in Jerusalem. My point is this, what Peter was doing in that moment in Acts chapter 5 was a direct command from Jesus himself. When Jesus said, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, what Jesus was saying is, Peter, here's what I want you to understand. The religious leaders are going, the church itself is going to completely topple what they're standing for. The religious Sanhedrin is a strict Jew-only organization, and this is how they see it, one way, and they will protect it. They will even kill to keep it that way, and I'm about to obliterate it, and I need you to go to the witness stand for me. Why? Because you're a Jew. I need you, someone who would align with everything that they teach, to be a first-hand witness, an eyewitness account, Peter, James, John, and then there was another man, an eyewitness account, who met the Lord on the road to Damascus. Do you see the story that's being told? If you understand this, it will unlock your faith. I have so much, like, my whole faith is rooted in the Gospels and rooted in Acts and rooted in these letters of Paul. Why? Because I watched people turn their backs on the only thing they ever knew, and that was that Judaism, the the Jewish faith. And I watched them turn it around and say, no, the Gentiles can be included. Jesus had a better plan. No one, look, nobody puts their life on the line. Paul stepped away from his position in the Sanhedrin. Here's what I'm saying. They put their physical lives on the line. They put their jobs on the line. They put their retirements on the line. They lost everything because of their position against the religious leaders. Does everyone see that? And here we are arguing about whether or not to obey the government or not. Because of whether or not it takes away from our livelihood or from our, uh, what we have, our substance, Our faith is built upon men and women that decided to give it all up for the name of Jesus. Let's continue down this path here. Ten minutes, I think think we're okay. We're doing okay. (laughs) Romans 13, let's read the latter part of this chapter, okay? Now that we've laid this groundwork. Romans 13, verses 8 through 14, it says this. Love, our primary duty, if you have a study Bible, that's the, the heading here. 
do not owe anyone anything. That's the same language, right, that he left off in in verse number seven. Do not owe anyone anything except to love one another. For the love who loves, for for the one who loves loves another has fulfilled the what? Has fulfilled the what? The law. Remember, Torah abiding Jew and non-Torah abiding what? Uh Uh-huh. Paul is saying what you're worried about will actually be fulfilled by each of you loving each other. And he goes on to explain it. Don't miss this. Verse number nine, the commandment, do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not covet, and any other commandment are summed up by this commandment. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Love, therefore, is the fulfillment of the law. And here's Christoformity. Here's the key to this whole book. Watch it. Besides this, since you know the time, it is already the hour for you to wake up from sleep because now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. The night is nearly over. The day is near. So let us discard the deeds of darkness. Put on the armor of light. Let us walk with decency as in the daytime, not in carousing or drunkenness, not in sexual impurity and promiscuity, not in quarreling and jealousy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. He sums it all up. And he says, if your brothers and sisters and you brother and sister over here are worried about them fulfilling the law, let me explain something to you how you fulfill the law. Love each other. Oh my goodness. As far as Paul's letter, I'm, here's, let me just read you this and then we'll get to the three points and then we're gonna go eat. Come on with that. We gonna go eat. I'm ready for some fried chicken, and the organ went zoop zoop, and the preacher said, amen. Mm. What'd you make today, Terry? You sent me a picture of it last night. Dill. (laughs) Somebody say hallelujah, amen. (laughs) As far as Paul's letter, I'm with Scott McKnight on the context of this passage. You ready? I believe that Paul is continuing his conversation from chapter 12. This is not isolated. Uh, It's not a misplaced portion of scripture, but rather a timely part of the conversation with regard to the context of what the Jews and the Gentiles and the church were up against. So here's my thoughts. If Paul is encouraging the paying of taxes, and this is just me filling in the blanks here, you ready? If Paul is encouraging the paying of taxes, and we know that the Jews were struggling with this, then I believe he is suggesting that the best way to accomplish the work of the gospel is through civil, or, civil obedience and organizational help from the body of Christ. That's what I'm seeing. His goal, watch this, has been clear to bring two groups of people together under the name of Jesus. Here Paul says this, besides this, since you know that the time, it is already the hour. Time is short. Make these efforts with one another. So the case to say, and and look, I'm going to hit on this two seconds, and then I'm jumping into the rest of this message. I'm going to give you the three points that are very simple and that I believe are something that you can sink your teeth into. But we, we have got to stop dividing politically. If you know, look, if you know me, 
and you know that we've had conversations about politics and stuff like that, like, you know that I'm a conservative. Like, it's not really a, it's not a, it's not a secret, right? I don't run from a lot of my political perspectives, but that doesn't mean I agree with everything conservatives do. And it doesn't mean I don't have friends that aren't Democrats. One person in this world that I probably, I mean, he's way up there of folks that I love, my grandfather. I mean, I would never do anything to sever that relationship, ever. You know, I respect him up there with just about anybody. And he's a hardcore Southern Democrat. <laughs> you know what I mean? Can't, I mean, and I'll talk about it with him. You know what I mean? He hates Trump. <laughs> hates him. Trump, it's like the devil and Trump. And Trump appears, it's not right, it's not right. <laughs> it was all blamed. It wasn't me. <laughs> it wasn't. The FBI planted it. <laughs> Can't tell me any different. Your fingerprints are on it. Nope. Nope. Anyway. <laughs> this whole thing just went to pot right there. But I'm explaining something to you, like, we're playing into the system. As soon as it's left and right, Torah-abiding Gentiles and non-Torah-abiding. I'm sorry, Torah-abiding Jews, non-Torah-abiding Gentiles. Thank you. <laughs> We're playing into the system. And Paul steps in and he goes, hey, y'all, why don't you just be subjected to the emperor? In other words, can you just see that God is over them? God is sovereign. Do you think that the emperor is doing everything that God wants him to do? Not necessarily. He's lost. Lost people are going to do what lost people do, right? Lost people things. He's not in here. Unless he's in the service worshiping with you, he's not subjected to the rules and the leadership of the church. But the church is subjected to who? To him. And if we understand that underneath that, they are underneath God. And God sees it, and God knows. And God has been working around governments from the beginning. God has been controlling institutions, and not like puppet master Calvinism kind of thing. Not like that. Using men's yeses and nos, but God is a better chess player. God can control the outcome with good, not evil. Evil always loses, and remember that was the theme of the last chapter as well, which is why this all runs together. So here's my point. Paul says, love is what wins. Well, what is love? Here's the thing. And this is where y'all don't even want to hear this. If you've got people struggling to pay their taxes, Paul is saying, help them obey. What is Paul suggesting? Help them pay them. Come what? Rather than sticking it to the man, we show the man that we're going to submit in every angle. And when we suffer because of it, when we actually are crippled because of it, we can do it with joy and not with grief. Why? Because we know we're not serving this kingdom. We're serving the next one. Do you understand how this thing fits together? We have got to stop saying politics. Uh, I don't want to talk about it. You know what it should be like? Hey, let's talk about it. In this context, I'm okay. I'm good. 
We all grew up coming from different perspectives, and we should be able to have a conversation in love and come out of that going, you know what? I don't care if you support them or them. I support you. I love you. I mean, even Jesus said, like, love your enemies. That's like the furthest extreme. If you have to love your enemy for a while until they become your friend, then do that. They're all the enemy. (laughs) I get it. If all you do is watch Fox 24-7, then everybody's the enemy. Somebody's got to say it. Why? Because don't talk about it. Look, stop playing into their game. There's something more important than America, and that's the kingdom of God. And I'm an American, and I'm a conservative. And most of the time, I exercise my Second Amendment right. (laughs) I'm just saying. Can you do that and talk? Yeah, it's okay. Do you understand what I'm saying? I'm not telling a Torah-abiding Jew to stop eating kosher. I'm not telling a non-Torah-abiding Gentile, you can't eat that. I'm going to say, let's go out to eat. (laughs) Come on, fam. We have to see what's bigger. If love is the fulfillment of the law, then what Paul is saying, guess what? There's a better way to show Jesus and that we're all on the same page. And that's not by keeping rules. That's by loving people that don't keep the same rules that you keep. We got to figure this thing out. Paul, I can't imagine, Kyle, why this uh, mic isn't working right. I can't imagine. <laughs> Look, this is all we have time for is just to me, me to read these rules here. These rules, these, these uh, <laughs> short list here of what I got out of the uh, passage. <laughs> I see this. I see Paul saying this. Number one, make sure your mission is gospel-centered. Make sure your mission is gospel-centered. In verse number five, he says, therefore, you must submit not only because of wrath, but also because of your conscience. Look, there are things that we're doing, and I look, I'm telling you, like the Holy Ghost smacked me three ways to Friday with this message. I'm not preaching this message to you because this is what I want to do. I don't like this message. <laughs> I don't. Because of my upbringing and who I am internally, I want to say, screw y'all. I'm my own person. I'm doing it this way. I don't care the the law, whatever. You understand what I'm saying? That's my rebellious nature. So what I'm saying to you is hard for me. Do you understand what I'm saying? This is not easy, but I feel like this is what Paul is saying. He's saying, make sure your mission is gospel-centered. That means this. When there's something that you want to do, but it doesn't get people closer to Jesus, then you need to stop. I want to do that, and I want this to happen, and I also want this to happen. Paul is saying, submit, not because of wrath, because of your conscience. And here's the thing, like, if internally you don't have a bigger problem with people going to hell than people not voting like you, then you got a problem. Submit to the authority. Even Peter says, submit to the emperor. And so here I am. I know we're a couple years out from election. I know what's coming. I see it all over the place because I watch the news too. And here's what I'm saying. Watch the news, do your thing, be who you are individually, but be gospel-centered when it comes to community and be sensitive to it. Why? Because it's more important. Importante. Make sure your mission is gospel-centered. Number two, make sure your priorities are in God's order. 
Do not owe anybody anything except to love one another, for the one that loves fulfills the law. It seems to me that obedience is always the first priority. Obey the emperor. Be subject to the authorities. Nope, it's better to obey God rather than man. How convenient when it's the things that you don't want to do. But if I actually submit, I'll be poorer. Maybe that's what God wants. It's better to be, uh, what's it, in an empty house and happy than in a house full of sacrifices and miserable? Huh. Yep. Make sure that your priorities are in God's order. It's time the church goes back to the drawing board and says, you know what? Maybe I've built my life around my work, and that's not important. Maybe the tail is wagging the, the dog. Does that ever happen in our lives? Sounds like something my wife told me this week. <laughs> Robinson? She says it too. Like God says Robinson, my wife says Robinson. You need to straighten out. Look, make sure our priorities. Number one, make sure your mission is gospel-centered. Make sure your priorities are in God's word in the last one. Make sure you reflect Jesus in his life. Make sure you reflect Jesus in his life. Paul said this in verse number 13, let us walk with decency as in the daytime. <laughs> in the daytime, yeah. Some of, all, some of us prefer the nightlife, don't we? We prefer the nightlife. Why? Because we want to keep doing what we want to do. If you had to live out everything that you've done in, at the nighttime, in the daytime, would you still do it? Here's the point. I don't mean it's a figurative thing. I mean, it actually works too, you know what I mean? Like it's both, I think it's both figurative and, uh, and real. The point is, is when you drag things into the light, truth annihilates it. Church, we need to make sure that we're reflecting Jesus. Well, what does that mean? It means that we need to be in the light. When we are in darkness, in other words, when we're fulfilling the things that our flesh wants, we ain't reflecting nothing. Ain't nobody see anything but ourselves. It's time we reflect Jesus. There's a better way of looking at this passage other than I ain't, I ain't trusting the government. I ain't doing nothing. Look, nobody trusts the government. Nobody does. They're all liars, every one of them. And I would tell them to their face. It's so much bigger than that. It's when the government, it's when your coworker, it's when your enemy does something to you and you decide to respond in love. They go, that could only be one thing. That could only be one thing, and that's Jesus. That's something supernatural. That means it's above what? Nature. It's above what's natural. The natural thing would be me to choke you out. But the supernatural thing is to say, I love you. It's okay. You want the shirt off my back too? People that take advantage of people in business, and unfortunately a lot of that's Christian to Christian, somebody has to be the one to say, I'm okay to go without. And usually the person that says, I'm okay to go without, is the one who's right. How do I know that? Remember Solomon, the two mothers? The one laid on her baby at night, and the baby died, so she stole the other lady's baby. And she came to Solomon, the one that said, my baby was stolen. She has my baby. And the two ladies are there, and Solomon says, give me a sword. I'll cut the baby in half, 
and I'll give half the baby to you and half the baby to you. And the real mother said, let her take the baby. The person who walks away, right, who says, no, it's mine, you're probably wrong. But the person who says, let him have it, that's Christoformity. It's the conscience piece that Paul is pushing to, and that's what I'm pushing on this morning. In what way could you be more like Jesus this week? That's what's going to fill these empty seats when people see something that's, even though there's not a lot of empty seats in here. Thank you for watching and joining us for our church online. I pray this experience was just what you needed today. If you made a decision for the Lord to follow Christ, or if the Lord did something in your heart that was special today, we would love to hear about it. Post it in the comments, send us a message, and we'll reach out to you. Have a wonderful week, and God bless.